0: For those of us who have encountered the supernatural, we are forever changed by these haunting experiences. We carry a little more weight, we endure a lot more shame, and we never do quite sleep the same. They say seeing is believing, and for those who have never had a first-hand run-in with the supernatural, Allow our stories to show you why you should be thankful you never have. But be warned, because like ours, your visitors might arrive when you least expect them. I'm Jacob Granado, and this is the Padilla Family's Ghost Story. and welcome to another episode of your family's ghost story today we are going to be covering this wild story that was submitted to me on Instagram I have been trying to do another ghost story episode for you guys but I honestly haven't received a ton of submissions For those of you who have reached out to me with your story, I really do appreciate you taking the time and telling me your story. I enjoy hearing them. But this one is a bit different. So during our most recent giveaway, I got a few new followers on Instagram, and that's when I got this message. Hey there, I'm Jasmine, and I just wanted to say that I love what you're doing with the show. And I have honestly been so scared listening to the ghost story episodes, but I just can't stop listening. At the end of one of the episodes, you said that you were looking for other ghost stories. And while mine might not be a ghost story exactly, I'm really not sure if it is or not. I do have a story for you. So we messaged back and forth a little bit and I got a clear picture of what really happened. And then I knew that I needed to do this episode. If you have already heard our past ghost stories that I've done, then you already know how this works. But if you're new here, here's how it's going to go down. Jasmine Padilla is not this person's real name. This story is not my story, and the person whose story it is has chosen to remain anonymous and has chosen the name Jasmine Padilla for herself. And in order to tell you Jasmine's story, I am going to tell it to you as if I were Jasmine. So, let's begin. My name is Jasmine, or Jazz, and I'm both excited and kind of nervous to get this off of my chest finally. Though, I mean, I haven't really kept it a secret because everybody that I know has already heard this story and knows it by heart and has probably retold it over and over to their friends, but I've never done it in a public way like this. So let's go like way, way, way back to the beginning. So I grew up in Northern California. I am the youngest of three siblings, but we were all adopted. So none of us are blood relatives, But our mom did pass away almost right after they adopted me, so I never really had that relationship or any mother-daughter kind of relationship growing up, but I have always remained close to my dad who is still alive and kicking today at 77 years old. I had these dreams of getting into the medical field from a really early age, but After finishing high school, I kind of fell into the wrong crowd and I started partying way too much and I kind of lost track of myself for a little bit. And during those years, I met this guy and he is not to be named or talked about, but we had what seemed like an amazing and promising relationship. And then surprise came my daughter, Hannah. Needless to say, he didn't stick around, but I was only 22 when I had her, and she instantly changed my life forever. I didn't want to live with my dad for the rest of my life, so I picked up a few jobs in the service industry and I moved into a two bedroom apartment with my girlfriend and her kid. And we try to do that for a while. And at the same time, I'm still trying to find the man of my dreams, but Nada. After a few years of struggling, I really had no choice but to move back in with my dad in our childhood home. I don't regret it, necessarily, but it wasn't my first choice, and honestly, I kind of felt like I was failing a little bit by moving back in with my parents. Either way, though, he was so thrilled to have me there and his granddaughter to keep him company. But back then, because I don't live there anymore, our home had three bedrooms. My parents' room, which was now just my dad's room, mine and Hannah's room, which we shared, and a spare bedroom, which was mostly just used for storage. Sometime in my mid-20s, when Hannah was about four years old, my friend suggested that I become a licensed esthetician. Doing my own research, this seemed kind of like the perfect fit for me in my life, so I went to a small school nearby and I did get my license. And my dad was actually the one who suggested that instead of paying for a room somewhere or a studio somewhere, that I run my business out of the spare bedroom in his home. And at first I was like, "Mm, that seems unprofessional. But after doing some digging, and seeing how expensive it was to rent a space in that city, I came to my senses quickly and I took him up on his offer. And I'm actually still in this business and I have my own studio now. Everybody has to start somewhere though. Anyways, enough about me because this story is really not my story at all. It's my daughter Hannah's story. her name isn't actually Hannah. That was my second choice when I was naming her, so I thought I would just go with it for this story. Although Hannah's father was never in the picture, she's grown up to be the most amazing young person that I've ever met. And I'm not just saying that because I'm her mom. No, she's really just genuinely kind-hearted and so sweet. And she looks at the world with open eyes and she's Got such big dreams, and I'm so proud to be Hannah's mom. But there was this dark period for a few months that I could never forget if I tried. This whole story really takes place only in the span of like six months, from summer of 2014 till the end of the year right before Christmas. Hannah was six years old, going on seven, and I was 28. And we're living in my dad's house. I'm running the studio out of the spare bedroom, and Hannah is in first grade. One day, I am checking the voicemails on my dad's house phone, which Does that age me a little bit? And we get this message reminding us that Hannah's school is having an open house tonight, which I had no idea about, but I wanna be a proactive mother as much as I can in my child's education and life. So I cancel my plans with my friend that night and I get all dolled up to go to the Brighton Elementary School open house. It's gonna be a fun night. Hannah and I get there a little bit too early, and all of these white moms with their fancy necklaces are introducing themselves and their daughters to me, and I'm just trying to blend in. We're ushered into Hannah's classroom, and I see some of her art on the wall, and I realize that Hannah is pretty advanced for her age. Either that or half the kids in the first grade are visually impaired. And then her teacher, Miss Ryan, enters the room. She is this bright, colorful lady who, honestly, anybody would be so lucky to have as their kid's first grade teacher. And after she does her whole presentation and people are heading out, I decide to stay back and introduce myself. Hannah suddenly gets like super shy all of a sudden and she's standing right behind me when I walk up to Miss Ryan and I introduce myself. I say, Hi, Mrs. Ryan, I am Hannah's mom, Jasmine. She smiles at me and tells me something like, oh, it's such a pleasure to have her in my class, and she's just so talented, and she loves to draw, but she is a quiet one. And I tell her, well, then she must be saving it all for home because she's not quiet at home. She laughs, and she says, well, you know, at least she does have her missy. And I'm looking around at all of the kids in the room and I'm like, oh, which one is Missy? Hannah has never told me about Missy. And Miss Ryan bends down to Hannah's height and she says, your mom hasn't met Missy? And Hannah just shyly shakes her head no. Miss Ryan winks at me and she tells me, well, did I mention she's also got a very wild imagination? And then I'm kind of putting two and two together and I'm like, Oh, my daughter has an imaginary friend who she has named Missy of all names. I say thank you and goodbye to Miss Ryan. And when I'm driving Hannah home, I just kind of nonchalantly bring up Missy. I'm like, so Hannah, how long have you and Missy been friends? And clearly she doesn't want to talk about it. So I just let it go for a little while. But I'm so excited, I mean, I never had an imaginary friend as a child, and I've heard so many stories from people who I know who did have an imaginary friend, and I think it's kind of cool that my daughter has one, so I'm kind of wanting to live through her. I turned down the radio and I asked Hannah, oh my, why didn't you ever tell me about Missy? And she just shrugs and she says, She told me not to tell you. Ouch. <laughs> I mean, that probably should have been my first red flag, but I ignored it and I just kind of felt hurt by it. Like I'm old. Well, you tell Missy that I would love to get to know her. Does Missy want to go get ice cream with us? Hannah's face lights up and she tells me that yes, Missy loves ice cream. So three of us head to Cold Stone, Hannah, Missy, and me an almost 30-year-old ordering an extra scoop for an imaginary child. For the next few weeks, I found clever ways to incorporate Missy into our lives, and honestly Missy was kind of a blessing in disguise because I got to use her to get Hannah to do things that she didn't normally want to do. Like when I would tell her that we needed to go to the store, Hannah normally hated going with me, but I would say, well, you know, Hannah, Missy wants to go to the store with me. And then she would get excited and go run and put her shoes on and then happily come with me all of a sudden. Or if Hannah needed to clean up her toys, I would say, well, let's see who can clean up the fastest, you or Missy. And it always worked. But by far the most extra thing that I regularly did for Missy was put out an extra table setting for her at the dining room table. And when it came time to eat, there would be four plates on the table. One for my dad, one for me, one for Hannah, and one for Missy. And if I happened to make a lot of extra food, I would even put some on Missy's plate. And then I would just pack it away later when Hannah was in the other room. My dad got a real kick out of this. And I don't know, something about doing this just kind of made the house feel more alive. Like it just felt like we had company all the time or something we normally didn't. And then sometimes I would look over at the empty chair at the table and I would think of my mom. I think my dad probably thought of her a lot too. Either way, Missy was bringing some kind of joy to our lives, but not for long. So, like I mentioned, Hannah and I shared a room in my dad's house. We also shared a bed, a full-sized bed, which feels smaller than a sleeping bag when you're sharing it with a growing and kicking six-year-old and also her imaginary friend, Missy. One night, we are getting ready for bed and Hannah is just wired. She's usually ready for bed and out by 9 o'clock at the absolute latest, but it's 10.30. It's a school night. I have clients coming over the next day and she doesn't seem like she's going to bed anytime soon. So I decide to use the Missy trick. I say, Hannah, Missy and I are trying to go to sleep. You need to calm down and close your eyes. And Hannah just starts busting out laughing. And I'm like, what is so funny? And she says, Missy doesn't sleep, mama. And I tell her, Hannah, everybody sleeps. And she gets angry at me. And she says, no not Missy. And okay, it is way too late for me to be arguing with a six-year-old about essential human needs. So I just let it go. And I tell her that if she doesn't go to sleep, she doesn't get to play with Missy tomorrow. And it works. She is out like a light within 20 minutes. We wake up the next morning and I make a breakfast for the four of us and I drive Hannah to school. I make it back home and I have time to quickly do a little workout before my first client comes at 11 in the morning. Most of my clients back then were my personal friends or family members or friends or family of my friends and family. Anyways, my first client today is actually one of my friends from high school. Her name is Sophia. Sophia booked an appointment with me today for a facial and a wax, which is kind of what I do every time. So her whole appointment would probably take about an hour tops. When she gets to our house, we do the whole small talk thing for a few minutes and we catch up. and. She asks me, how's Hannah, and I tell her about Missy, and she gets a little bit creeped out honestly, but I'm like, hey girl, so many kids have imaginary friends, don't even try to freak me out. I start by waxing under her arms, and then I move to her sideburns. And last is the facial. It's a skin brightening facial with this product that I love, and it needs to sit on the face for 15 minutes. So. I apply it, we talk a little bit more while I do so, and then whenever my client needs to sit there with product on their face for a while, I turn on some spa music and I tell them that I'll be in the other room, I just make sure that they're comfortable and that I'll I'll give them a little moment for themselves. It's always nice. I've always thought like, what would I want in that situation or what do I like in that situation? And instead of somebody talking my ear off or asking me questions about my personal life that I just don't want to answer, I'd rather just have 15 minutes of quiet relaxation time to myself. So I do that. I make sure she's comfortable. I place these cold gel pads under her eyes and I tell her to relax. And I'll be back in 15 minutes and I turn on the music and I leave the room. Only about five or seven minutes have gone by. I am sitting in the living room, and I'm scrolling through Instagram on my phone, and I hear Sophia yell my name. Jazz! I kind of panic. I'm thinking the worst, like she's maybe having some kind of reaction to an ingredient or something. So I rush into the room, and she's sitting up on the facial bed, and she looks scared. I'm like, what's wrong? And she says, did you just come in here? No, I was sitting in the living room. Why? Something poked me. And I'm like, what do you mean something poked you? And she's like, yeah, I was just laying here and something poked my leg by my ankle. My dad wasn't even home at the time, so that wasn't even a possibility. And I don't want her to feel stupid or anything, so I just I entertain the conversation. Um, I tell her, "Oh yeah, you know, sometimes when I'm really in a deep meditative state, I'll feel someone touch me too or something, and it takes me out of it. It's so annoying." And I can tell she's not buying it. She's sticking to her story that somebody poked her in the room, and I'm like, "Okay, okay, yeah, that's crazy. I don't know." And she just seemed uneasy and more quiet for the rest of the time that she's here. But I stayed in the room with her until it was time to wash off the product. And she never closed her eyes again, by the way. And then she left. I even had two more clients that day after her. And neither of them said they were poked or anything. So I don't know, I just moved on. What else was I to do? Maybe about a week later I am making eggs for breakfast in the kitchen while Hannah is supposed to be getting dressed and ready for school, but anybody who has had a 6 year old knows how easily sidetracked they get so I have to check on her constantly to make sure that she is actually getting ready. I walk over to our restroom and she's not in there of course, so I go to our bedroom and she's not in there either. I yell out her name, but she doesn't answer me, so now I'm slightly panicking. The eggs are probably getting burned in the pan in the other room, and I knock on my dad's door, but she's not in there either. I check the backyard, and she's not back there. I start yelling her name louder, and then I hear her laugh coming from somewhere in the house, and I can't tell where it's coming from yet. It's very faint. I circle back to our room and I can tell that she is inside of our closet. It's not a big closet, it's not like a walk-in closet or anything, it's just a small sliding closet full of stuff because it's mine and my daughter's and also our storage. I slide it open and she's tucked away in the very back corner of the closet hiding behind my dresses. I kind of yell at her and I tell her that she needs to be getting ready for school and I ask her what she's even doing in there and she says, I don't want to go to school. Now, this is very, very normal for a kid to say, especially her age, but Hannah has never said this to me. She has never acted this way. She loves school and I tell her, Hannah, you are going to school. She turns to me with her face scrunched up and she says, Missy doesn't want me to go to school. I roll my eyes, and in a moment of weakness, I decide, well, you know, I really don't have any clients booked for today. My daughter isn't getting younger. What's one day? So I tell her, fine, Hannah, only today. I imagine this is probably how bad habits form. I mean, how many of you who've had kids have let your kids stay home just because you wanted to spend the day with them? is that normal during breakfast i asked her well what do you and missy want to do today And she doesn't really give me a straight answer so i just start throwing things out there like do you guys want to go to the mall nothing do you guys want to go to the park hannah's eyes light up and she's like yes mama we want to go to the park So in the afternoon, I get us all ready to go to the park. I pack some snacks, a blanket, a book that I probably am not gonna get past the first four pages of, and we get ready to head out. I get Hannah in the car in her booster seat, and then I get into the car, and I put the car in reverse to go down the driveway. And Hannah says, Mom, wait, we forgot Missy. So just playing along, I put the car in park and I say, Where is she?" And Hannah points directly in front of the car. This is getting a little bit ridiculous. (laughs) But I unbuckle my seatbelt, I open my door, open the back door of the car, I ask Hannah is she in now? And Hannah nods, yes. I shake my head and get back into the car and I say, well, does Missy have her seatbelt on? And Hannah starts whispering to her and she tells me, yes, mama. So we head to the park. The whole way there I'm trying to talk to Hannah, but she's not at all interested in what I'm saying, and she's just staring at the empty seat next to her, literally as if somebody is actually sitting there behind my seat, which honestly kind of freaked me out. So I kept glancing over in the mirror, kind of expecting to see a figure of a kid or something, but I didn't, thank god. We get to the park and Hannah plays house and make-believe with Missy while all the other kids throw wood chips at each other and fumble down the slides. We're there for a little bit over an hour and I actually do get an entire chapter of my book read, which is a new record for me, and we head back home. I had to make a quick stop at the grocery store on the way home to get some things for dinner. I am making stuffed bell peppers tonight, and of course, I almost abandon Missy at the grocery store too, and I have to park the car and get out and hold the door open and do that whole thing over again, thinking to myself, like, will this ever end, or will I be playing along like this forever? Later that night, I finish the bell peppers and I serve it on four separate plates. And we tell Grandpa about our day at the park, and he laughs when Hannah tells him about how I almost abandoned Missy at the grocery store. We finish eating, and then I clean up. Hannah and her Grandpa are doing one of her frozen puzzles at the dining room table while I finish the dishes in the kitchen. When I'm done, Hannah shows me the finished product, and I ask my dad, Hey, I think I'm going to make some coffee. Do you want some? buddy says he better not, it's already 8 o'clock at night and he'll be up all night if he has coffee. So I turn to the kitchen and Hannah tells me, Missy wants coffee, mama. Now I am perfectly fine to play along and open doors for an imaginary kid and everything, but I will be damned if I waste one of my K-cups on a make-believe coffee for a make-believe kid. They're not cheap. (laughs) And I tell her, Hannah, kids can't drink coffee, you know that. And she says, I know, Mama, but Missy's not a kid. You could have cut the air with a knife in that moment. My eyes dart over to my dad and his eyes are all big, like, He can't believe what he's just heard, either. Um, excuse me? Missy's not a kid? Hannah shakes her head no. Well, how old is Missy? She doesn't want to tell you. Hannah, how old is Missy? I demand. Sixty-five. 65? Hannah looks sad and her face shrinks. What color is her hair, Hannah, I ask, just to make sure that what I'm hearing is true and that my daughter has a senior citizen as her best friend. It's white. Hannah, I don't want you to play with Missy anymore, okay? You need to be friends with other six-year-olds. And Hannah runs out of the room, bawling. I look over at my dad and I just throw my hands up. Like, what am I supposed to do? He shakes his head and he tells me, she's probably just imagining your mom. But I'm like, dad, Hannah never met mom. I barely even knew mom. And he's like, well, there's a lot of pictures of her around here. And I'm like, dad, mom didn't have gray hair. Not in real life, not in the photos. And if I'm not mistaken, that's not how the afterlife is supposed to work. You don't grow up. You don't age. Now I am completely freaked out by this. So I start to question myself, like, did my daughter actually have a wild imagination? Or was she now friends with the ghost of an older woman? We would get the answer to that question soon enough. I slowly tried to start excluding Missy from our everyday lives, and Hannah didn't really like that. I stopped serving her dinner and breakfast, and I just stopped mentioning her name altogether. I knew that Hannah was still playing with her because I would hear her from the other room, and one time I even caught her whispering to Missy, and she said, Okay, I won't tell my mom. And things just continued like that for a while, but suddenly Hannah started having this itch to play in the backyard like all the time. We didn't have a jungle gym or a slider really much back there at all except for weeds and some bushes and it wasn't really well maintained so it's always worried me that she would like get bit by a snake or a spider or something so I didn't love her playing back there but I mean how could I just keep my daughter cooped up inside the house plus when she was back there I knew that she was safe and it was fenced in so I could be working on stuff inside the house while she was playing outside and it kind of gave me a break I knew that she was playing with missy and i mean there wasn't really much i could do i thought if missy is a ghost she's not a mean ghost i don't know what was going through my mind at the time but i guess i was okay with my daughter playing with the ghost as long as she wasn't hurting her and it's like a free babysitter like if somebody wants to take care of my kid for free do it just kidding but i still really had no concrete proof that Missy was a ghost. I mean, she really could have very well just been an imaginary friend, and instead of choosing somebody her own age, for some reason, she chose somebody older. I don't know. One of these days, I'm working on some promo material for my business online, and Hannah is in the backyard playing. I got so lost in my work that it took me a second to realize that Hannah was being pretty quiet back there. Usually she was playing with her toys and making all kinds of noise. So I get up to go out and check on her. I can see her sitting down on the ground behind a bush in the back left corner of the yard in front of the old wood fence that separates our yard from the neighbor behind us. I say, Hannah, what are you doing? And I see some dirt flying. So I walk over and my daughter is filthy. She found this handheld shovel, and she has dug a hole at least two feet deep. And I ask her again, what are you doing back here? And she gives me the obvious answer. Digging. Okay, yes, you are digging. What are you looking for? And she says, I don't know. Missy lost something, and we're looking for it. I don't know what it was about that but that was my last straw with missy i pulled hannah by the arm and i told her okay we are going inside and we're getting cleaned up missy needs to stay outside and this really really upset hannah and she threw a fit and was crying the whole time that i was bathing her she kept telling me that i want to go outside with missy i want to go outside with missy And putting her to bed that night was almost impossible. She had to cry herself to sleep, literally, because she wanted to go outside and get Missy. And I was so freaked out that I was imagining a ghost or something trapped outside in the backyard and I did not want to let it in. So I guess I thought, okay, it could just stay out there, get out of our lives forever, we'll get over it, we'll move on, and Hannah will forget all about her, but of course, she didn't. The very next morning, as soon as she wakes up, Hannah asks me if she could bring Missy inside. And now that I've slept on it, I feel like a heartless bitch. I just made my daughter's imaginary friend spend the night outside in 40-degree weather. So I give in, and I tell her, sure. She goes to the back door, opens it, I guess Missy comes back inside. I felt like I was in a losing battle with this thing, and it was just easier to let my daughter pretend and play with it as long as it wasn't hurting her. It did creep me out, I'll admit that. Maybe I was just overreacting. I wanted a second opinion though, and not from my dad, who is so delusional that he thought Missy was his wife. So I turned to Miss Ryan. I thought if anybody knows kids or has any kind of advice on this situation, it's her. Normally, when I pick Hannah up from school, I park the car and I wait outside for her to find me. But today, I surprised her by actually walking up to her classroom because I want to talk to Miss Ryan. I played it cool at first. I told Miss Ryan, oh, I just wanted to, you know, check up and see how Hannah's been doing. And again, she had nothing but great things to say about her. And then I brought up Missy, and I asked her if it's normal for kids to have imaginary friends who are older than them, and she asked me, well, how old? When I told her 65, she got this curious expression on her face. I suppose maybe that's normal. I mean, I've had students with imaginary babies after all. I. I wouldn't be too worried about it. And I left the school that day feeling a little bit dumb. I mean, not that Miss Ryan made me feel that way at all. I just felt like, wow, I was overreacting hard. So I just waited it out, got back into our routine. I didn't ask any more questions when Hannah played with Missy, then things got a little bit more weird. One night around Thanksgiving time, the three of us get into bed, Hannah, Missy, and me. Hannah falls asleep around 8.30 and I had coffee pretty late so I am up on my phone updating my business, social media, I've got my headphones in, I'm listening to some Erica Badu or something, when I feel something at the foot of my bed. My feet, which are stretched out and crossed over one another, feel like they just shrunk into the mattress a little bit more. Like I had been laying in this exact position for hours at this point, and suddenly, my feet sink into the mattress like someone pushed it down around my feet. And my heart just pounded in my chest. I tore my headphones out of my ear and I look over into the darkness, but I don't see anything. But just then, I hear a noise. The springs of the mattress, specifically down by my feet, just adjusted. Forget sleeping that night, I am now wide awake. I don't want to turn the light on because Hannah has school tomorrow, so I just stay up, sitting in bed, shining the light from my phone every few minutes around the room, and then finally when my eyes cannot stay open anymore, I'm out. And when I blink, it's the morning. I woke up feeling like it was all just one bad dream, but really I knew it had happened. I kind of wanted to ask Hannah about it, or I don't know, maybe I wanted her to ask Missy about it, but I also was so scared of what I might get back as an answer, so I just left it alone. But that would be the last time that I left it alone. The next experience would be the very last because it was too much and Missy had gone way too far. It started off like any other day. It was mid-December now and I remember that because the Christmas tree was up and Missy of course had to help me and Hannah put up the decorations and also because I was super busy with clients. With everyone's holiday parties coming up around this time of year, everybody wants to look their best. So I am booked and busy and grateful for all of the business that I get around Christmas time. Hannah isn't on Christmas break just yet, so she still has to go to bed early. So I put her down, or I put her in bed around 8.30, and I go to my studio room and I get all of my products ready and set up for tomorrow's clients. And my earliest is 9 a.m. the next day. When I'm done doing that, I go into the living room and I turn on Grey's Anatomy, only planning on watching a single episode. But that never happens to me when I turn on Grey's Anatomy. And I actually ended up staying up until close to around 10, 30 or 11. But I knocked out on the couch and when I woke up, the screen was black and it had that message on it like, are you still watching? I look over at my phone and it's 1.30 in the morning. I unplug the Christmas tree in our living room and I walk to the restroom and I brush my teeth, I wash my face, and when I'm applying my nighttime serums, I realize that I'm out of one. My jojoba oil, so because I don't ever miss a step and i know that i have an extra in my studio room i walk down the hall towards it and i open the door i turn on the lights and what i saw will stay with me forever there in the middle of the room laying on her back on my facial bed is hannah She's smiling and she has her arms crossed over each other on her chest posed like somebody who is laying in a casket. I gasped and then I just stood there frozen in my place and then my mom voice came out and I was like, Hannah, what are you doing up? And she says, Missy wants me to look like her mommy no, that was it. I was done with Missy. I said, you need to go to bed now and Missy is going outside. Not really knowing what else to do, I tell Hannah, tell Missy she cannot sleep with us tonight. And Hannah's eyes filled with tears as she repeated to Missy, You can't sleep with us tonight. I turned the lights off in the studio and I shut the door quickly. I put Hannah in our bedroom and I closed and locked the door behind us. I was so scared. I felt like somebody was following us the whole time and I just had to lock them out of our room. And that was the first time that I had ever felt like that. Like a physical presence following us. And maybe it was just me overthinking, like, you know how you feel like somebody is following you in the dark all the time? I don't know. Either way, I wasn't taking any chances, and I prayed that if she was a ghost, she couldn't actually float through a closed door. When I got Hannah in bed, my adrenaline is still pumping, and I ask her, Hannah, What were you thinking? It's late. And she says, Missy made me go in there. And that night, I had the most grown-up talk with Hannah that she had ever gotten up to that point. And I told her that it was all pretend and all make-believe and that this time I was serious. She could not be friends with Missy anymore. And she kind of just said okay. And then she dozed off to sleep. I was talking to some random guy around this time, and I was texting him late that night because I couldn't sleep, obviously. And I was telling him about what had just happened, and he said, if I were you, I'd start praying. And that is exactly what I did. That night was kind of emotional for me, really, because I had never really prayed. I mean, we weren't very religious growing up and I had only seen people do it in movies or TV shows, but that night I prayed to my mom and I had this huge eye-opening revelation that night. I thought to myself like, wow, I have spent the last 30 years of my life ignoring that my mom might actually be up there in the sky somewhere looking down at all of us. I said something like, Mom, I know that we didn't get to know each other too much, but if you're here, if you're there, or wherever you are, can you take this ghost or this woman or spirit or whatever she is away from us? It's starting to scare me, and I do not want Hannah to get hurt. Something changed that night. Between the time that I said that prayer and the time that we woke up in the morning for school, something had happened to Missy, and she was now out of our lives forever. I'm still not sure if that conversation that I had with Hannah that night sparked something in her to, I don't know, grow up out of this phase and cause her to not want to have an imaginary friend anymore. Or if the spirit of my mom somehow intervened and got rid of the ghost or the spirit. Or really, even if Missy was real at all. Again, this was a six-year-old. Her teacher didn't seem to be worried about it. and. I know a lot of kids have imaginary friends. That is completely normal. But what I still cannot wrap my head around is why Missy was so much older than Hannah. Could my daughter have really just been looking for comfort in an older woman? My dad still looks back at this time and he talks about it as if it were my mom visiting us. I guess anything is possible, but again, Hannah said this lady was 65 and had white hair. My mom was in her 40s when she died with a full head of strawberry blonde hair. And I think that my dad just so desperately wanted to believe that. But I didn't. Hannah is now 13 years old, and the few times that I have asked her about all of this, she says she doesn't remember. Or at least she pretends like she doesn't. But our months spent with Missy is something that I'll never forget. My advice to those of you who have kids is to let them be kids. Yes, let them have fun. Let them explore their interests and their identities and express themselves however they want to. But if they happen to have an imaginary friend, just be careful. Ask questions about their friend, their age, their appearance. And don't ignore those things because who knows who they might be hanging out with and there is the possibility, like there was with Hannah, that they are engaging with some ghost of a dead, older woman. The thought of that will forever freak me out, and I would love to dismiss it all, like I said, as just some figment of my child's overactive imagination. But the two things that never sat right with me were when my friend Sophia felt somebody poke her leg during her facial and when I felt somebody at the foot of my bed. And to this day, everything in my gut tells me that that was all Missy. If she was real, if Missy was a real person once, who was she? What business did she have hanging around my six-year-old daughter? And whose child will she visit next? Thank you guys for listening to the Padilla Family's Ghost Story. The events in this episode were based on real lived experiences with the authority and oversight of the encounterer herself, Jasmine Padilla. Written and performed by me, Jacob Granado. I will return next time with the final episode of season two of crack pop you guys voted for it on instagram and i will be examining one of the biggest conspiracy theories in all of pop culture history the death of princess diana see you soon